Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. So everyone loves uh, an unlikely and good love story against all the odds. For those that are a bit older, you'll remember Rose and Jack from Titanic. Everyone will probably know the story, or at least in part, of Romeo and Juliet from Shakespeare's classic. Or we have Princess Fiona and the Ogre Shrek. These love stories against all the odds still capture our hearts to this this day. Well, today we have uh, one of the most amazing love stories of ancient history, Ruth and Boaz. It's against all the odds, but it's far better and deeper than any Hollywood movie can give you. Because Ruth and Boaz's romance is not so much an end in itself. It's about serving another, Naomi. It's a wonderful story about how romance and love can benefit the wider community. Let's retell the story and see what we can learn. Ruth uh, was a young Moabite who had been widowed. And despite the bleak future that she faced, uh, she committed and made a vow to her also widowed mother-in-law, Naomi, who was from Israel. She said, I'll leave Moab to go back to Israel. Her mother-in-law, Naomi, thought this was a crazy idea, because it was a crazy idea. So try to persuade her to say, you you stay in Moab. You'll never find a husband in Israel. And without a husband in that day, women would not be provided for. They would not have security. And sadly, they wouldn't have a significance. So against, but against all of Naomi's advice and against all the odds... Ruth says, no, I'm coming back to Israel with you. And Ruth chapter 1 finishes with the beginning of the barley harvest. It's a chapter full of death and tragedy and famine, but there's a barley harvest. So in chapter 2, we're introduced to a man named Boaz. He's called a man of substance. On a superficial level, this is Prince Charming to rescue Ruth, the princess. You see, Ruth, under the advice of her mother-in-law, Naomi, had gone to work in the fields for some food. And as it happened, she ended up working in the field of Boaz. And as it happens, he was a close relative. And what we'll discover is a kinsman or guardian redeemer of Ruth, a vitally important detail. And we learned a few weeks ago from Sharon how incredibly generous and caring the word hesed, this idea of loving kindness that that Boaz showed Ruth. He went above and beyond the call of duty. He cared for Ruth and provided for her. He made sure the workers didn't abuse Ruth. He gave Ruth food and water close to himself and he gave extra food to take home to Naomi. When Ruth goes back to her mother-in-law, Naomi, with the abundance of, of harvest... And talked about the generosity, kindness, and protection that Boaz had afforded afforded her. And Naomi starts starts to hatch a plan. She knows what it is for Boaz to be a kinsman or a guardian redeemer. And that's where we pick up the story. And I'll warn you, it is one of the juiciest parts of the scriptures. It's the raciest romance scene you'll find anywhere outside of the Song of Songs. So let's uh, listen to how they make advances towards one another. One day, Ruth, the mother-in-law, uh, Ruth's mother-in-law Naomi said to, said to her, my daughter, I must find a home or find rest for you where you'll be well provided for. 
Now, Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight, he'll be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, get dressed in your best clothes, then go to the threshing floor. But don't let him know you are there until he's finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he's lying, then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. Now, why is it important that Boaz is a guardian or a kinsman redeemer of Ruth? God had said in the law of Moses, it's a kind of social care system of ancient Israel, that if someone died and was a widow, the closest male relative had a duty to protect and care for that widow by marrying her in order to make sure she's provided for and had security and to provide a male descendant so the family line could continue and remain connected to the land. It was a way of social care uh, three, three, 4,000 years ago. God was taking care of the most vulnerable in society, the widow. And they would buy back the property that the widow used to own. And in that sense, they were a redeemer. They would buy back what had been lost. So Boaz is a kinsman, so a close relative, redeemer of Ruth. And so that's why Naomi hatches up a plan. And it is a very simple but a wonderfully effective plan. Two ingredients are needed. A good-looking girl and a slightly tipsy man. Ruth, wash, put on perfume, put on your best clothes, look irresistible, make sure he's had his food and drink and he's in good spirits because men are simple beings. And when he's a bit tipsy and when you're looking good, he can't go wrong. It's the kind of thing you would never believe is in the Bible if you've never read the Bible. Could God really use what seems like seduction for his purposes? Let's read on. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking, was in good spirits, he went and lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was the woman lying at his feet. The master plan is executed to perfection. Boaz has had a glass of wine, a good meal. He comes back in good spirits. Ruth is irresistible, and she's uncovered the feet. Why? We're going to understand the symbolic significance of covering and uncovering in a moment. Now, put yourself in Ruth's shoes. The tension must have been unbearable. You've made yourself look beautiful. You've taken this huge risk because your mother-in-law told you to. Whoever listens to their mother-in-law. Hello, Lynn. My mother-in-law's over there. Uh, be you know, will Boaz be disgusted? Will he abuse her? Will it work out? Who knows? What a risk. She must have been lying wide eyes, listening to Boaz snore, you know? Thinking, what's going to happen when he, races, when he wakes up? Her heart must have been racing. And then Boaz wakes. Imagine the adrenaline rush coursing through her veins. He finds his feet uncovered and this beautiful young girl next to him. What's going to happen? Verse 9. Who are you? He asked. I'm your servant, Ruth, he said. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Now, this is vital if we don't understand Ruth's intentions. You see, you might think the Bible condones seduction, that it's okay for pretty girls to dress up, put on nice perfume and look drop-dead gorgeous so men can't resist them. But what we understand is that Ruth is asking for something much more deep and significant. She isn't seducing Boaz. She's asking for something else. And the phrase is vital. Spread the corner of your garment over me. 
It's a, it's, it's a way of the Old Testament, in the Old Testament where we, we get this phrase before, where God uses that phrase over Israel. And it, the prophet Ezekiel puts it like this, talking about God. Then I passed by, and God's people Israel, as, as a girl. Then I passed by and saw you kicking about in your blood. And as you lay there in your blood, I said to you, live. I made you grow like a plant of the field. You grew up and developed and became the most beautiful of jewels. Your breasts were formed and your hair grew. You, you who were naked and bare later I passed by and when I looked at you and saw that you were old enough for love I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness I gave you my solemn oath and entered into a covenant with you declares the sovereign Lord and you became mine God says to his people I found you in a desperate place you were so vulnerable you were kicking about in your own blood in a desperate position as good as dead and I made you live from that place of death I made you grow and you became a beautiful woman and you matured the, the language is very evocative this well-formed breast this sexually charged image but this beautiful woman was naked and bare like Ruth is vulnerable and alone So what did God do for his people, this beautiful girl that he had made? When she was old enough for love, he spread the corner of his garment over her, covered her nakedness and vulnerability, and entered a covenant. It's marriage. It's marriage. God married his people. God said, I want to give you stability, a home, security. I want to cover any nakedness and vulnerability you feel. I want to commit myself to you for life. I want to enter a covenant with you. I want us to become one where we belong to each other. It's the wonderful story that is told in no other religion but the Judeo-Christian one where God says, I want you for myself. And God wanted this beautiful woman, so he married her. And that's how God views you and I, the church. And that is what Ruth is asking Boaz to do. Do you remember verse 1? mother-in-law said let me find a home a place of rest a husband to take care of you to provide for you and Boaz was the guardian redeemer who could take Ruth out of her vulnerability and insecurity but it's even more subtle if you were with us the last few weeks you'll remember this famous verse that we learned in chapter two where Boaz has heard of Ruth's reputation and says to Ruth in the fields may the Lord repay you for what you've done may you be richly rewarded the God of Israel under whose wings you've come to take refuge so Boaz bases your, your loyalty and your commitment to your mother-in-law and what you've done is, 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 is astonishing and you've come to find refuge in the God of Israel and may he spread his wings over you and protect you. Yahweh, the Old Testament God. And then in chapter 3, Ruth says, you be the answer to your prayer. God could use you to cover me and protect me if you will cover me with your wings. The word garment is best translated in Israel, in Ezekiel, and in Ruth 3 as wings. Ruth's saying, I want to find protection under the God of Israel under your wings, Boaz. She's saying, I'm taking the first move. Will you marry me? Which is a very rare thing in Old Testament times for the woman to take the initiative in such an engagement. So what will Boaz do with the request for marriage. 
The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. The kindness is greater than that which you showed me earlier. You did not run after younger men, so Boaz is older, which, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will, do all, I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is one, another one, who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here till morning. So she lay at his feet. Yeah, there we go. I've lost my way. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. This is verse 14. I don't know. Yeah, we have it there. No one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me a shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went uh, then she went back to town. Now, this might seem an anticlimax. All Boaz has to do is say yes. And you know how Hollywood would have it? They'd be having sex on the threshing floor, wouldn't they? They would. That's, that's what we think about romance today. That's as best as Hollywood could give us at this moment. But Boaz says, ah, I am a guardian redeemer, but there's a nearer of kin. There's someone closer than I that I must consult. In other words... Boaz does not let his passions and feeling dictate what is right and wrong. Boaz does not get blinded by love so as dishonor Ruth and dishonor the closer kinsman redeemer and most of all dishonor God. Paul Miller in his book on Ruth says, even though Boaz is in love, he doesn't idolize love. He doesn't let his love for Ruth run over the rules. In our culture, friends, more than ever, if it feels right, it's morally right, is what our culture says. Act on your desires because your desires are the truest expression of what is right and wrong for you. Boaz says, no. I have desires, but what is right and wrong is not something I discover inside looking at my desires. It is something I look at the Old Testament law in his case. We have the whole scriptures and from there, we decide what is right and wrong. And we ask our desires to align with that. Modern culture says, look inside, find your desires, and that's right and wrong. So actually, according to the scripture, acting in love often means going against your feelings and desires. But all that said, panic not. Boaz's godly delay is far from an anticlimax. It only thickens the plot and the tension builds and you'll have to come back next week. That's how Ruth works. Every chapter ends on a cliffhanger. In fact, next week we're going to go back over chapter three and think about marriage and singleness and dating. So don't miss that one. So what are we going to learn from this absolutely wonderful story? Uh, firstly, let's consider Ruth, a woman of courage, prepared to take risks. In each chapter, Ruth takes a huge risk. In chapter one, she commits to her mother-in-law, her, her mother-in-law's gods, culture, homeland, and it leaves everything she knows for one person who's a widow. It's an astonishing wish. She had no idea how it was going to work out, but she committed. In chapter two, on the advice of her mother-in-law, she goes and works the fields, and she didn't know how that was going to work out, and as we read from the story, Boaz says, well, you might get abused, so let me take care of you. So she could have got wrong. It could have gone wrong. What a risk. In chapter 3, she makes the most daring move which we've ever seen uh, of the story so far, approaching Boaz for marriage. In each case, there is a level of calculation in the risk. 
based on the character of Naomi and Boaz that Ruth knows. So it's not a reckless stuff. She knows, she, she trusts her mother-in-law, she's got to know Boaz a bit, but she didn't know how it was going to work out. She didn't know what the future would hold as she left Moab. She didn't know what would happen as she stepped out of her comfort zone onto those fields to glean. She didn't know what would happen as she took great courage to ask Boaz for marriage. She was willing to take a risk, and it could all backfire and fail. Here we have a courageous woman who's willing to take risks for God. Every time, I said this in, in the first, every time I read the book of Ruth, I am so stirred to the depths by this vulnerable woman who would commit and love so deeply and at such risk. I wonder, friends, do our lives exhibit the fearlessness of Ruth? She had so little to hold on to. But she discovered that there was protection under the wings of Israel's God. And under that protection, she could take the greatest of risks. She knew so little, but she had enough of who God was. We have the rest of the Old Testament, the whole New Testament, the coming of God's Son. We have his character and his promises to us. Do our lives exhibit anything like the fearlessness of Ruth? Do we take risks for God? Do we act even if we're not 100% certain of the outcome? I need to just calculate everything and dot every I and cry. Do we act when the world says, that's foolish, don't lose such control, don't be so vulnerable. But love says, yeah, lose a bit of control and be vulnerable. Are you always someone that plays it safe? Ruth had every reason to fear, but she didn't because she'd taken refuge under the wings of God. I've said this a few times. John Wimber, he was the guy that founded Vineyard. He used to say faith is spelled R-I-S-K, risk. I would like to say love is spelled R-I-S-K. To love is to risk because you make yourself vulnerable. You might be rejected and hurt. Ruth might have been. To love is to risk because to, to love is to limit yourself. To love is to feel the sting of particularity. Now your options are not all open. When you love anything, you limit yourself. If you want to keep all your options open and protect yourself, yeah, you'll never know true love of the kind that Ruth knows towards her God and now towards Boaz. To love is to make a decision to put other people's needs above yourself. You see that in Ruth time and time again. Maybe COVID, maybe previous hurts and failures and rejections, maybe suffering has stopped you being vulnerable, stopped you committing. Ruth had famine, death, previous hurts. Did she stagnate? Did she get crippled by fear? No. She'd come to take refuge in God's wings. She wasn't foolish. She wasn't reckless. But I, and we should make plans and calculations and we should mitigate against silly, harmful things, of course. And I'm not talking about manipulating God. If I take this, God, will you, will you protect me when it's really rational? No, none of that. But what about our risk-taking and sharing our faith? What about risk-taking with our money? Generous with it or just holding on? What about our risk-taking, just putting ourselves out of any comfort zone, maybe socially, maybe to get to know some other people? What about just testing your faith? You think, you know what, I've always said I'd do that, but it always I come to it, it just seems to... So I just don't. 
What about volunteering in something new? What about applying for a new job? What about having a go? And it might not go well and you may fail or whatever that means, but the world says stay in control. Make decisions based on comfort and opportunity and your progression. Love says take a risk. Be vulnerable. Feel the sting of particularity. I wonder, has the two years of COVID meant as a culture we've just generally stopped taking risks, stopped committing, stopped being vulnerable? We're more paralyzed than ever. We look after ourselves to the detriment of looking after the community. May Ruth encourage you to take a risk. I don't have time to go into all of it because of things, but she takes a risk because she's come to understand what's known as the providence of God, that God will care for her in all the ups and downs of life. Most famously expressed in the Bible is Romans 8, 28. And in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purposes. In death and in famine, in all kinds of tragedy, in all things, God in his providence is guiding and caring for his people on earth and he promises to look after us. If Ruth could take a risk for God, we have more resources to do so. Briefly, Ruth, a woman of courage, prepared to take risks. What about Boaz, a man of integrity who fears the Lord? This is a character trait that is badly lacking from our culture at the moment. Moral integrity in all circumstances. Doing what is right and honourable and faithful regardless of emotions and desires. We've seen him go the extra mile to care for and be generous for the poor Ruth. He's hugely loving and kind, but that love and kind-heartedness is matched by a fear of the Lord. Think about it. He's had a few good drinks. He's had a meal. He's in good spirits. He comes back to sleep, and while he sleeps, there's this beautiful, sweet-smelling girl lying at his feet. Now, tell me, what would the average man do in that situation? This is a situation I continually counsel young men not to get themselves into. Don't be alone after a good night out and a few drinks with a beautiful girl in your bedroom with the door closed. It's only going to lead to one thing. Not Boaz. Not Boaz. He's shown throughout the whole story that he fears the Lord and that's why he looks after the workers in his field as he does. And that's why he treats Ruth in this moment as he does. He's a man of moral integrity. The law of the Lord is written on his heart and he's extra kind to her, but he has incredible self-control as a person too. Boaz knows that though he's a kinsman redeemer of Ruth, there's a closer one. Although he has great compassion and desire to care for Ruth, that compassion is guided by truth, not by his emotions. It's not weak and flimsy, it has a backbone. Although he finds Ruth deeply attractive and he's in a good mood, he first of all wants to honor God. Above his own desires and carnal instincts, he has a greater desire and a greater instinct to obey the Lord. Oh, men of today, would we be like Boaz. Generous and kind to the vulnerable, full of self-control, fearing the Lord. A man of moral integrity and self-control, sexually restrained. We'll have more on this next week. But while I'm talking about controversial topics, let me move from sex to drink. I'm often asked the question, particularly by students, how many, two, how many drinks is too many drinks? Well, here we have it. Here we have it. In narrative, not in law. Boaz has had enough drinks to be merry and in a good mood, but he hasn't had too many that he loses fear of the Lord, he doesn't honour Ruth, and he doesn't honour his, honor his fellow kinsman, 
redeemer. He still makes good decisions. He hasn't lost sensitivity. He hasn't lost cognitive ability. You know you've had too many drinks because you don't act like Boaz when things are put to you and you need to act in the right way. Alcohol's a good thing. It's a gift from God to enjoy. That's why we go to the pub after church, but we must never lose control that we dishonor God or our neighbor. Is that after one pint, two pints, three pints? I don't know. You need to decide, but decide before you go. Don't decide with the third pint in a round and now you're obliged to buy everyone else around. And you'll say, well, I'm sure God will forgive me and I'm being a missionary in my culture. Don't do that. I've made that mistake. What examples? A woman of courage, not ruled by fear, prepared to take risks, prepared to commit. A man of moral integrity, his compassions and emotions and desires are guided by truth. A man of self-control. But there's one more thing I have to say before we finish. If you're not careful, you can listen to this talk with these two wonderful characters and you can go, I just feel guilty because I am ruled by fear. I just feel burdened because my life doesn't look anything like Ruth and Boaz's. I just feel weighed down because I do struggle to commit. I just feel like a bad Christian because I, I do lack self-control, maybe sexually. If you look at Ruth and Boaz and think, I must try harder you're just going to be burdened. Religion burdens you with rules. The gospel sets you free. There's only one way this whole message will not be a burden to you, and that is if you see that another point in history, another person came and combined exactly what we see in Ruth and Boaz in himself. He was vulnerable. He left heaven. He left all his security. He was a foreigner. He was rejected. It was the greatest risk, you could say. In fact, it it was the greatest risk. They killed him. He was love personified, hesed, and they killed him. Every time a woman would be at his feet crying or washing or or drying his feet with, with her tears or anointing his head with oil, he did not respond like Boaz with sexual advance, but with care, love, generosity and protection matched by a self-control because he, he feared the Lord. And he committed to us, not with a, just a vow, he committed to us with his blood. You want to know how much God's committed to you? He died. He put it in his blood for you. He wanted to cover your vulnerability. He wanted to give you that rest, stability, and a home that you and I all desire and need. And when he was dying, no one saw God at work. But in the providence of God, God was winning a great victory. When you know Jesus as your guardian redeemer, who's committed to you with his blood, you can take risks like Ruth. Because in all things, he's working for your good. We know his character. We know his heart. We know his integrity. We know his care. It'll help you overcome that desire for comfort and control and progress. You'll be able to make decisions based on other people, not just yourself. We'll give up control and comfort. We'll learn self-control when we see him committing to us. He's Ruth and he's Boaz. He's the kinsman redeemer and he's the risk taker. He fulfills everything in this story so he can win you and I, his bride, and cover us with his wings and protect us. And Paul would go on to say, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. If God is for us, in his son, 
who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things one day? If you know Jesus as your kinsman or guardian redeemer, you will fear no evil. You will take risks. You'll feel the sting of particularity. You'll be vulnerable because you take shelter under his wings. I urge you, go for it today. Take shelter in him. Let's pray and we'll stand to sing. Do you want to stand and I'll pray and we'll sing to finish. As we sing, I want you to, as we pray, sorry, I want you to consider, is it Ruth that you most associate with or is it Boaz? And what does it mean for you to take refuge in Jesus to make you more like Ruth or to make you more like Boaz? Go to Jesus and he will change you. Know his love and his comfort and protection in your life. Maybe you need to take risks again. Maybe you need to show that self-control. Go to Jesus. He'll help you do that. Let's take a moment to be silent. The music can play and we'll uh, then pray. Father, forgive us where we forget who our guardian redeemer is, who's taking care of us. Forgive us for where we forget his character, so faithful and true. Forgive us where we forget his heart, so gentle and lowly. Forgive us where we forget his desires, so compassionate and kind. And Lord, as we forget him, our lives are diminished and we don't love or live like Ruth or Boaz. So we take a moment, Father, just to remember your son as our great kinsman, redeemer, the one who committed to us with his blood, the one who's never going to let us go, the one who's right here with us, looking down on us and through his spirit present with us. I pray for my heart, I pray for my brothers and sisters is in this room that we'd be people that would take risks for him. That we commit in love to one another and to this city and to the things you've called us to and most of all to you. We pray that he would transform our hearts so that we would be out of the self-restraint when we need to and act like Boaz and say no to things because we have all we need in him. We don't need anything else. He meets our every need. So make us men and women of risk, uh, who take risks, and make us men and women of moral integrity. And may it all be for his glory. In his name we pray. Amen.